Hello and welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast. As a church, it's our hope that the proclamation of God's Word on Sundays would turn into the application of God's Word in our daily lives, leading to the transformation of people in our local communities. To that end, we pray that this podcast would serve to further equip you with more insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go to make disciples. Thank you for joining us here today, and let's get started as we dive into this week's discussion. All right, well, hey, leaders, and welcome back to week three of our study through the prophecies of the king. This week, we are in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, and I'm joined today again by our pastor of theology, Doug Becker. Hey, Doug. Good evening, afternoon, morning. Nice to, in case I don't see you. Yeah, I just want to cover all our bases. Good evening. And good good middle of the night to you. Yeah. Uh, nice to have you back, Doug. I was I was lonely last week recording good to this be by with. myself. That's, yeah. I guess kids are important, though. Yeah. In order to get home. Uh, But this week we're in Matthew 25. What are we talking about this week, Doug? Parable of the virgins, right? Yes. All right. So what are some of the biggest takeaways that you think uh, Ryan made in the sermon that we should keep in mind for this week? Well, I think everything is about long-term planning, setting long-term spiritual goals, thinking of your walk with Christ as a lifelong thing, realizing that different seasons in life look differently. Mm. It's probably worth mentioning, too, that, you know, As a continuation from last week, these two sermons, last week and this week, and probably these two discussions, are going to somewhat feel similar to one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the biggest differentiator between the two is that last week, Doug, we were talking more specifically about, okay, if, you know, we're talking about Jesus's return. So last week is if he returns right now in this moment. Are you ready? Are you ready? Mm -hmm. And this week, we're talking a little bit more about, okay, what if he doesn't return immediately as we expect him to, but actually... Uh, it's it's a little bit more delayed or a like longer, remaining ready, yeah, yeah, longer timeline than than we might expect. Um, so that's a little bit of a differentiation. So let's take a look at our guide for this week, um, Doug. We've labeled these uh, according to the kind of three main points that that Pastor Ryan actually made in the sermon this week, which is kind of cool. So if you're wondering where those came from, uh, if you were taking notes this weekend, Ryan said that there was kind of three big things to keep in mind, and so the the titles for each one of these sections are those. So. Right off the bat, let's jump into Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to ask a volunteer to read that, the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, and then, Doug, why don't we talk, actually, just just briefly, before we dive into each one of these questions. Um, we left some leaders' commentary here talking about understanding parables. Do you yeah. want to give us a little bit more insight on how we should look at this in right. general? I think we talked about this a little bit last time. We touched on it when we were talking about parables in the last podcast that I recorded. But you just want to keep in mind... Was that the deeper dive or was that... I think it may have been in the deeper dive, yeah. Um, Thing to keep in mind is that parables uh, have very specific points. Now, that's not to say there there is definitely a school of thought in parable teaching that parables only ever have one point. Mm. That's probably a bit of an overstatement um, in case you've absorbed that somewhere. Um, But you have to be very careful about what points they're making and what points they're not making. Sometimes it's not that clear, like, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a subjective call, but usually it's not so much so that that it's unworkable. What, what I'm saying is that if you look at this parable, where that really comes up in this parable is that the attitudes of the young women or the virgins is, are not very Christian attitudes. Sure. Right? If someone came up to me and was like, hey, can I get some of your oil to lamp this lamp, to light this lamp? I don't think Jesus is saying, you know, you should say no. Right. Right. He, there. Instead, it's their preparedness that should be a model to us. Likewise, um, the harshness, kind of almost an unreasonable harshness, of the of the groom uh, to the to the ones who weren't prepared, 
Um, you know, probably not uh, exactly what God is like. Sure. Right? So you need not, to just be not the main thrust. Not the main thrust. Really the main thrust is be be prepared sure. that for so is it for the then, long haul. For is the it fair to say that when we read a parable, that what we're really looking for is the is the main point of the parable, the main teaching, so to speak? Yes. You know, because if I come to this parable, take the parable of the ten virgins, for example. If I come to this parable and say, okay, well, the oil. What does the oil stand for in my life? Is that you know, for example, a lot of times it could be equated to good works. You yeah. Know what I mean, which would be a poor reading of the parable. Right. And or to walk away of saying, well. You know, Jesus is the bridegroom, and so you know, is it is it not fair that not everybody get to gets to come or any anything else? You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? the main point, like you said, is to be prepared for the bridegroom's return. Yes, right? and trying to sync up the, all the little details with everything uh, that that you're venturing into what's called allegorical interpretation, which is usually not a not a helpful way to to read things. Oh, I like that. I'm write yeah, that down. allegorical interpretation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the so we we kind of mentioned this a little bit too. Like you can think of some other parables as well, and maybe this is a question for your group this week. Like, what are some other parables that when we read them, uh, we should be careful to take away the main gist of what Jesus is teaching? The first one that pops up in my head for that is always Luke sixteen, talking about uh, you know the the manager of the resources, and basically he knows he's getting fired, and so he's yes. running around and trying to make quick deals and yeah. settle up debts, and make whatnot. friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody walks away from that parable thinking like is. Is God telling us to be shrewd and unrighteous? That's, that's the one that you know? comes to my mind also. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So again, you know what I mean? We're to look at the parable and say, okay, what is the main, what, what is the meaning that I'm meant to glean from this? And what's the main purpose that, that God has here for yep. me? So just a quick little, um, just a quick little addition on maybe how we should look at parables. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into our discussion this week uh, here, Doug. The first section we've entitled, Hear the Warning. We'll jump into the actual parable, Matthew 25, 1 through, 13, 1 through 13. And then the first kind of area that we want to talk about here is just the idea of the the marathon versus the sprint, right? And the overarching idea here is that really the Christian life, you know, is often compared to a race, uh, especially in the Bible. And, and Doug, you've cited a couple of verses here, First Corinthians 9 and 2 Timothy. Um, but the question is, like, is it more often a sprint or is it a marathon? And so there are a few questions here, right? So uh, number one, in your experience, do you find that people more often tend to treat the Christian life like a sprint or a marathon and explain? So as you've seen it in your own experience, do you find that people more see it as a sprint or more people see it as a marathon? In my instance, like if I was to answer this question, I don't know about you, Doug, but most of the time when I see Christians, especially new Christians, they're like right out of the gate, they're on fire. You know what I mean? And my concern, especially, you know, you're in my job, our roles that we Mm. play here at the church is what does this look like in the long haul? Are they setting themselves up well for discipleship? You know, do they have the spiritual disciplines? And so I do always get somewhat concerned that they're going to burn out within three, you know, one to three years, three to four years of, of becoming a Christian. What about you? What have you seen? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Um, you, you know, I, I think you, you touch on a bit of, uh, it, that could, that could manifest itself in serving, but it can also manifest itself in the way that you are, um, uh, the way that you're taking things in, I suppose. Mm. Um, are we chasing spiritual highs? Oh, yeah. Right. Are we, so, uh, sprints can often look that way, like maybe not necessarily like that only one part of your life is a sprint, but that your spiritual life is like you go really hard and then you go really soft and then you go really hard. So like when this conference happens, that's when I get really pumped up and conferenceitis. And yeah, conferenceitis or even just like worshipitis, you know, like that mm. this is just such a 
Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna chase the places that make give me the best religious buzz. Place that I leave in tears is the best one or whatever, mm. you know. Um, and we don't want to give the false impression that going hard for Jesus is bad, right. because obviously you could be really passionate about the Lord, and we want people to be really passionate. Um, but the the idea is is that. Um, What's healthy? What's what's healthy? Um, if if that's all there is, I suppose is a bigger is a bigger concern when like when there's. So I think, for example, and I I just tend to think of faith a little bit more, you know, like my experience, which tends to be a bit more cerebral, mm -hmm. and so I think of like scripture reading. Right? Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree that Christians should have healthy scripture habits. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Well. Yeah, I mean, maybe we have we get like a really good Bible study once in a while, or or find some some good teacher who's teaching through something that we think is interesting. But the real question is, like, do I sit down and read a couple pages every day, and then the next day, a couple pages every day, and then the next day, a couple pages every day, and accept the fact that a lot of it is going to be difficult. Some of it is gonna not going to make a lot of sense. Uh, sometimes I'm not going to be able to say that I've had this like huge earth-shattering moment, right? But it's the cumulative effect of being faithful every single day and doing it. The same thing with prayer. Um, disciplines that, that you know you want to have in your life, you know, might be praying with your spouse or something. I don't need to make it through everything that we need to pray for, but am I showing up every day and doing it? It's the consistency of the habits that are important um, rather than necessarily the intensity every single time. I'd rather have somebody who's faithful in reading two chapters of scripture every single day than to somebody who you know, once a month sits down and reads through an entire book. Yeah. Um, that's just much more sustainable. And um, it tends to be the way that spiritual growth happens. Right. So, um, you know, is it because, is everything happening in short births, right. births, or are we okay with the um, with the with the less exciting, less glamorous work of just long term faithfulness and mm. things? And actually, it kind of reminds me of a quote from Bruce Lee. Uh, mm. There was a there was a quote that Bruce Lee said that I, I it's probably one of my favorite quotes ever. He says, "I don't." You know, I, I don't fear a man that knows a thousand different ways to punch. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't fear that man. I fear the man that ha knows one punch and has done it a thousand times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, just talking about mastery in, in the realm of martial arts. But it's true. You know, I, I've heard this compared to physical training as well. Like you can go to the gym and try to, you know, completely, you know, bang out like 12 hours in the gym of like an excruciating workout. But you'll go a lot farther of 12 yeah. one hour sessions. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like little bits of investment over time yield better results than like you're saying short bursts of extreme yes. uh, of extremism. I, I guess to say, I think of it like this every, every Monday morning I meet with a group of guys uh, at a diner. Um, and we talk about the, the scripture reading plan we're in right now. We talk about what we read this last week mm. and um, it's just, uh, and we do it for a year. And so it's 52 slow paced kind of boring conversations. I mean, not to say that they're boring, but you know, yeah, that's cool, it's not like this huge intensive study where we're figuring out what everything means and stuff like that, which can be helpful. Mm -hmm. But if I had to choose between the two, like which one that I, maybe I don't do at all. Yeah. It's the short burst intensive Bible study, as opposed to the 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 just sh everybody showing up every week with the you know eight chapters you've read this week or right. whatever it is yeah right. 
I bet it would be the same too. Cause you know, Doug, you were helping me kind of learn some of the biblical Greek and I'd be willing to bet that 15 minutes a day of practicing Greek mm. is going to yield a lot more than eight hours in one week. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just constantly because being in it every day. And so anyway, you know, all of these, you know, all of these kind of um, comparisons to get back to the heart of like yeah. what's far more valuable than a huge worship night for six hours, which you know, arguably, but what's far more valuable than spending six hours straight in your Bible with a thousand commentaries around you is spending five minutes every single day in God's word, in prayer with him, you know, worshiping him of stopping your, whatever it is that you're doing and spending five minutes to just be with Jesus. Those things are invaluable. Mm. But if you can make it a half hour to an hour. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, you know, yeah, I always encourage, yeah, yeah. because a lot of times what I find is that, you know, often the people that are looking for that big experience are normally lacking the the rhythm, the daily rhythm. Mm -hmm. And like the reason why I always say five minutes is because five, like to not spend five minutes is like a blatant disregard for Jesus. Like anybody can spend five minutes in their Bible. Realistically, you know, I, I normally talk five minutes in prayer more often, mm. but you know, five minutes in prayer this morning and tonight, that's all you have to do. And watch what happens. You know what I mean? Because how many people do you know that sit down to start to pray for five minutes and don't end up praying longer or don't end up praying for the things that are in their, you know, that God's doing in their lives? I really want to drop a Star Wars quote. Yeah? What? Yeah. Do it. Excitement. Huh. Adventure. Huh. A Jedi craves not these things. <laughs> um, the, the, and another thing that's kind of, I think, um, uh, coming to the top here in this uh, in this conversation is the notion of feeding oneself okay. and not being dependent upon other people to always be spoon feeding you spiritual truth. So, and this, this has helped, this has helped me throughout my years. So we've moved around a fair amount, which means that I've been a member of about six churches. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what it means to leave a church. I've never left a church. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying no one ever should. But I've been – and most of the churches have been places that have been less than ideal and that I've had issues with or whatever or found toes to that you know to step on or other who step on mine. Sure. Um, but, but I've never been at a place where I've been like, you know, I don't get a lot out of their worship or I don't get a ton out of my preaching uh, – out of their preaching um, and had that affect me. So in other words, there's been plenty of places that I've been at where I haven't been – thrilled about the songs that we sing sure. or 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 thrilled by the preaching but i don't need that because i've learned to feed myself my real deep spiritual times are not in the word and in worship right are not taking place on uh at a church service they're take like um, it's great when it does, and I'd rather have a church that does. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's not something uniquely important to the corporate worship experience, but doing, but participating in those kinds of activities. Uh, again, I think the real valuable part of corporate worship is the fellowship sure. and the community that happens and all of that other stuff. Um, and you know it's it's good and it's helpful and it's edifying when the sermons are good and when the and when the songs are good and everything but i'm not so dependent on one church's ability to give me that mm -hmm. that if i'm have a season in life where i'm not getting that from a church that i'm going to be spiritually de devastated sure uh, um it's it's just it's about learning to feed yourself and that is a big long term 
thing that skill that that Christians really all should develop. And that's really what Paul's talking about too, right? I I, I came with spiritual milk. You were not ready for meat, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so, you know, when we talk about spiritual maturity, a lot of times I'm always thinking back to Paul's words. It's like. It, have I matured to the place where I can feed myself, right? And even if you think about, like, Doug, you have kids and, like, your kids growing up. At one point, their entire existence is dependent upon whether or not you feed them. Right. They'll die if you don't. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As, as a spiritual infant. And as they continue to grow, they start realizing that they can feed themselves. Yes. And they move from piece to piece to piece to piece. Until eventually, as they continue to grow. I can't stop them feeding themselves now. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? And so the same question exists for us. is like, are we constantly dependent upon, you know, being spoon fed or, you know, honestly, the the comparison that Paul makes is being breastfed like an infant, Mm -hmm. right? Are are you completely dependent upon somebody to to feed you um, in your spiritual walk with Jesus or... Have you matured to your teenage years or your adult years? And do you constantly seek out the word and feed yourself? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With what, with what your body's. Now, it's also for. important to realize and that another mark of, um, another mark of long-term spiritual maturity. When you look at what Paul's talking about there in the book of first Corinthians and he's talking about, um, you know, spiritual infants and things, the things that are making them infants. It's not necessarily that they don't know a whole, uh, mm. as as Nacho Libre would say, a buttload of stuff about the gospel, <laughs> right? It's that it's that they have formed factions. Mm. It's that they are um, um, uh, kind of playing favorites with the wealthy over the over the you know the people with less impressive lives mm. by earthly standards. It's the fact that there are divisions among them, mm. um, and they're allowing those things to so like you know. Peacemaking is another. There's a, there's a lot of very much one another ish type things that also contribute to whether or not we are um, in it for the long haul. Like, am I contributing to the long term health of my church, or is there some issue that I'm going to make a big stink out of because it's a big deal to me right now that five ten years from now this church is going to be weaker because I I I, I heard it this way, you know. It's insightful. Yeah. You can always tell the difference too between somebody who's using language that um, when they refer to the church, mm. if they're referring to it like what you guys are doing or how you guys are doing this or how you guys are, you know, how we, it, when we show up and, and how you guys organize worship or this, that, or the other thing versus the people that have an ownership mentality and recognize that we are the church. Mm-hmm. I am a part of this church yeah. and being a part of the solution rather than, you know, being a part of the problem yeah. a lot of times. But all right, let's read through some of the questions we have here. We asked question one, number two. So uh, Hebrews 12 encourages us to run with endurance, the race that's set before us, somewhat suggesting that, you know, the Christian walk is one more of, of a marathon rather than a sprint. And if that's the case, why do you think that so often we treat our walk with Christ like a sprint, we covered a couple of those things, getting like the conferenceitis or the spiritual high from piece to piece. Number three, what are some of the warning signs that might identify that we might identify in ourselves or others that could show our walk with Christ as a sprint and may burn out? Number four, what are some of the habits of somebody who is being spiritually responsible and wisely building a relationship with Jesus that's meant to last? Doug, you and I talked through a couple of those already, too. Um, some of those spiritual disciplines, you know, prayer, reading your Bible. Um, solitude is one that I think is really important mm-hmm. that people often overlook, you know, getting alone and, and just being with Jesus. Like, you know, Jesus set the uh, the example for us when he went alone to be with the Father, right? Yeah. yeah and, and a lot of these is uh, – I would just uh, add, like, for this question um, and questions like it. Um, 
perhaps the emphasis needs to be on consistency as mm. opposed to, you know, like everyone's going to do some Bible reading, everyone's sure. going to be doing some prayer, but like it's it's a matter of uh, consistency on your own, things like that. Over time yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, often when somebody is new or young in their walk with Jesus, there are many challenges which seem so far off that we almost don't plan for them. Um, what do you think are some challenges of the faith that are distinct to differing stages of mm. life? I love this question. Yeah. Doug, and it gets, and it's nicely coupled with the next one too, where it's like, what do you personally wish? And you know, that you in the past that you had done better, you know, the, to equip mm. yourself for today. And this, I think uh, would be, I, I think that this discussion will be particularly interesting in the groups that have multi-generations mm. um, represented Right, because there are things. Uh, so, like, there's things when uh, you know you you have some young adults. You know, they in general are going to be dealing more with questions of singleness and wise dating, dating yeah. and things like that. Um, but then, like, I think of couples, you know, who get engaged. Right, like one of the issues that we do have to deal with as pastors a lot purity. are Christ- purity, yep. and particularly Christian couples who who think it's all right to cohabit together, right? And that's a very tricky situation. Each one kind of has to be handled on a case-by-case basis. But one of the things that I will often emphasize is when what are you going to do when you have a like you you may be feel like you're you may be the 1% that can walk in purity living to yeah. it. Like I'm very skeptical to efforts for that. But um what are you going to do when you have children or there's Christians young Christians that you're discipling or whatever and they want to cohabit mm. you know what i mean like are you setting examples like like uh for for people that you are going to disciple in the future are you going to be able to speak to them as somebody who's walked wisely down this path mm-hmm. or is all you're going to be able to say i made this mistake don't make it right um, right. You know, so I mean, we could go down a rabbit trail on this one because yeah. I certainly, yeah, I talk to a lot of young folks in our church. This is probably a, one of the bigger portions of what I do here as a pastor is speaking to a lot of these young couples, and um, every single time, you know, for the ones that uh, have a really healthy understanding of what they should be doing and preparing themselves for marriage. Um, they, every single time, every single time their marriage is healthier when they get back to the other side, it's dependent, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the physical aspects of being a husband and wife, but rather on all of the spiritual aspects that are there that they've been preparing for, for so long. Yeah. And the physical piece comes as, uh, as a compliment to everything else that marriage was there for. So mm-hmm. we could talk a long time about that, but that's great. So, okay. There's, um, there's a few things there. I would also add to, um, a lot of the empty nesters, uh, especially in our church, those who's. Um, Mm -hmm. children have just graduated out of high school or moving out to college. They face certainly different types of, uh, of parts of their own discipleship and what they're walking. And so there's some different stages that are there, uh, for still others that are in retirement ages and, and have kids and grandkids, um, new discipleship issues there as well. And so I, I really like this question. I, I think it's good. Um, we should talk through that and listen well as to kind of, where our generation really is as, you know, as we continue to want to follow Jesus and worship him and some of the unique kind of challenges we're and facing. It, and it's interesting. This is get, uh, tends to have a little bit of a Proverbs flavor to me, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of Proverbs is, my son, do this, listen mm-hmm. to me, listen to wisdom. Because wisdom is somebody who's – the wise is somebody who's been down the path mm-hmm. and knows. And so like what is the wisdom that you can glean from people that are further along the path than you? Mm-hmm. I often tell people that most of my Christian work has just been saying, okay, Lord, 
having people, having godly people in my life who tell me you should do this and just be like, okay, mm. uh, with the caveat that you got to be careful against about over committing to stuff. Right. And, but, but, you know, like I, I didn't get set even, even the path to formal ministry, even the path to go into formal Bible training and stuff was just m- me being discipled by my pastor and him saying, Hey, you should go do this. I think that 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 you should do this, and me just being like, okay, okay, Lord, yeah, yeah. being willing to take those steps forward to see. Yeah, uh, I love that. Um, our second section here, Doug, is called mastering the balance, and here, um, the balance, you know, there being first, how do I explain this? The balance of of knowing that Jesus could come back now at any moment, or he could come back in, you know after many generations, we don't know, we don't know the hour or the day. So, you know, knowing that, how do we balance these things to both be ready for Jesus right now? Um, and to be ready for Jesus in generations to come. And so mm-hmm. Ryan talked about this. He, he talked about the longevity too. of like, okay, so if it is a marathon, then how do we, you know, how do we, what was that? What was that phrase he used? Uh, we should be, you know, we should prepare for Jesus return today, but plan for a delay, right. Is what he said in the sermon. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we do that well? You know, yeah. both of those things. A couple questions here. So number four, in your opinion, what makes for a good goal, right? You know, as far as a spiritual goal. Keep, is- in, keep in mind the, the numbers of the question at this point are off. Oh, man. I, again. <laughs> I was looking Dude, forward to telling Microsoft you about Word, that. Uh, yeah, I saw you smile. I wonder what you were smiling about. All right. So this isn't question four. It's actually question seven. But it might be by the time you yeah. read it. <laughs> All right. Well, the, the first question in Mastering the Balance, we're talking about goals now and spiritual goals as well. So if we sit down and we plan out our schedules, we plan out our time, we plan out and budget our finances, then what about our spiritual walk as well? Where are you investing your time and your resources you know, into your own discipleship? Mm-hmm. So number four, easy question. What makes a good goal? And, and what are some of the char- characteristics of good goal making versus poor goal making? goal making. Number five, what are some spiritual goals that you personally have in your own life? Number six, what are some things that you do to exercise spiritual self-care and walk in the disciplines of, of the faith? And what are some places that you hope to grow? So all of these questions really are very practical, right? You know, like, okay, what does it look like to set healthy goals for us in our own spiritual walks? Where are you seeing fruit of those things? And, mm-hmm. and where are you kind of being challenged? So I'll give you, for instance, um, one of the things that I absolutely want to do every single day in my life is pray with my wife before we go to bed, right? Every single time. And I don't care. Again, let's talk five minutes. Mm. Let's talk 15 minutes. You know what I mean? I don't care. I don't care if we pray for every single person that we know. I don't care if we're praying for every area of our lives, or I don't even care if we just pray to thank God for that day and, and, you know, head to sleep. We will pray, you know, every day. My wife and I made that goal for ourselves that we want to be held to all Mm -hmm. the time. So for us, that's one goal that we, that we seek to do. Mm. What about you, Doug? Uh, big big goals in my life right now are to um, share a little bit from the scriptures with uh, two of my daughters, uh, the two two uh, older ones right now, when they get home from school. Um, I, I'm I'm obviously I think everybody knows I go and get them off the bus when I sure yeah. I live here. Um, Which is why we start talking faster toward the end. Of the podcast. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and the other big goal for me for 2020 is actually making it through the Old and New Testaments in the original languages, like just mm-hmm. doing my devotional from – it's a little bit of a weird goal, but, but you know, I've, I've, I'm sure I've read them all, you know, in, in the languages, but I've never read them cover to cover, like day after day. So just doing my devotions from them, um, something I'd like to like to have done, so – 
The next question here is talking about, you know, some places that you hope to grow. Um, numbers, or it's not number seven. The fourth question in this section asking, how would you personally rate your own pace in your spiritual race, right? Mm -hmm. Are you running a marathon? Are you running a sprint? Take a second, step back, reflect on your own, your own discipleship, your own walk of faith with Jesus. Where are you? You know what I mean? Are you, are you running too fast? Are you running too slow? Have you gotten away? And have you like lost track of where the path even was, you know, yeah. I mean, to just use the, I guess the imagery, you know, of this, I, you know, one thing that for me, uh, you know, if I was going to answer this question, honestly, is that I remember when I first became a Christian, I, I just would rip open my Bible every single day and just kept reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And every single thing was so new to me that I would just take it all in. And the thing that I fight now, you know, over a decade later, and now sitting as a pastor at Emergence is when I open my Bible, I need to, I need to stop first and prepare myself because I've read all of my Bible. So if I'm coming back, so the parable of the 10 virgins, for instance, I've read a number of times before I need to come here with new eyes and new mind and new heart yeah. ready to allow Jesus to teach me, not ready to come back with presupposed assumptions of what this means and, and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? But to allow the Holy spirit to work mm. uh, and move in me. So that for me is one area that, you know, if I was going to be honest in my own race is, you know, I cannot assume that I know the path. You know what I mean? Jesus is doing new work here and, and to be ready for that and to prepare myself. Mm -hmm. I always think of Moses when he shows up. Spurgeon, uh, see, uh, Charles Spurgeon had a, uh, had a sermon a long time ago that he was talking about, um, Moses coming to the holy place. Right. And, and God tells him, he says, stop, you know, the place that you're standing is holy ground. Mm -hmm. Take off your sandals. Right. And he was talking about doing that with God's word every time. Like, don't come to the Bible with all of these other pieces of your life and just thinking, God, help me in this thing, help me in this thing, help me in this thing. Like, stop, take off all those things, all the cares mm -hmm. of the world, all the dirt that you've built up on the way over here. This is a holy place. And so allow God to, to speak to you, right? Yeah. I actually, yesterday I gave uh, the sermon at Smoke Rise Community Church in Kinalon. Sure. And uh, it was a good passage for it. Uh, but uh, we have like a bit of a preaching schedule that we do, guys that that fill in there. What were you preaching on? Uh, John three. So it's oh, okay. very much teed up, uh, sure. you know. For but uh, that passage is very interesting. It's like the same thing. Like mm -hmm. it says, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night and said to him, "You know, uh, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them." And you get this impression that he's got this agenda of. Here's what I want to learn from you, Jesus. Like he's right. got his questions. He wants to answer. And Jesus basically just completely disregards the small talk and just just hijacks the conversation. And it's like, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So it's like that. Then and 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 consistent um uh feeding yourself is like that with God when you open up the word. It's like, I wish God could tell me this, mm. but God, you sit down with the word and it's like, God's like, here's what you're learning today. You know, here's what you're, here's what's on the menu today. Yeah. Um, and uh, ready for that in prayer too. Yeah. You know, and friendships and ministry and, and all those things, mm -hmm. you know, even as far as planning too, you know, to kind of steer us back here, you know, planning for the future and making good plans. And, and, you know, we come and with the, all of the elements that God's given us to be able to plan well, you know, the ministry that he's placed in front of us, the talents that we have, the resources, you know, God's given us all these things. We seek wise direction and, and then we prayerfully make these plans and offer them before God ready that with the best of what we have, we've done our diligence, yeah. but God could change them at any moment, yeah. you know? 
Um, all right, let's move on to this last section here, caring for the next generations. And so in the sermon, Ryan was talking about, you know, um, he was using the example of uh, Hezekiah, right? Mm-hmm. Where he was basically, you know. Didn't think of what would happen in the future because of his actions today. Yeah. Exactly. He, yeah. He was arguably only caring about his own his own existence and not really thinking for the future. Mm-hmm. And so how can we be the type of folks that really are preparing to see the gospel go on for generations? Yeah. Um, Doug, one of the questions you ask in here that I that I really like um, that currently is labeled 10. <laughs> uh, the third question in the section is asking, you know, what are some of the ways that previous generations could have done a better job equipping us to run the race of faith? That's an interesting question to me. Mm. And I, I think it's worth stepping back to say, okay, what are some of the patterns or the rhythms or the expectations or assumptions I have in my life because of where Christianity is in my society and my yeah. culture and context today? And how can I really set a great foundation for my kids or our kids or the next generation to come or our kids' kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a couple things that come to mind here um, is uh, one, of course, is the and this is just this, this is just the wavelength that I'm on. So maybe you know you could think of other types of examples, but I think, for example, of <clears throat> the wedding of uh, Christianity with right wing politics. Mm. That was a very big thing, you know, a generation or two ago, sure, yeah. and we're still having difficulty disentangling it. That's not to say that Christians can't have you know well informed political views that line up with either right or left wing values right. but um but making it as you know just the the close marriage of that in the eye of the culture mm. um i think is a bit of a liability mm. um are are our political views stopping us from being effective with the gospel yes yes mm. another example would be the um the labeling of certain um specific uh theological positions as essential to one's faith mm. right like that that really aren't that shouldn't be mm. i think we still have a lot of baggage from that yeah um and then on the other um, other other kinds of things would be like churches teaching um emphasizing that in-depth bible study doesn't isn't really practical that practical churches are ones that you know give you um you know 10 steps on how to have a good marriage and things like that, right? And I think we see a bit of a pushback against that now If when you look at some of the online content that's very popular, like Bible Project or things like that, sure. right? Which are kind of like study intense and yeah. people just gobble it up because people understand this is a very practical way to grow your Christian faith is actually asking the hard questions and not being afraid of theology and not being afraid of knowing your Bible well and not poo-pooing uh, it as being impractical somehow. Mm, I yeah. like that. Yeah. A few other questions. So, uh, who has God placed in your life that you personally feel called to shepherd and how are you doing in this? You know, where do you think you could stand to be improved? I'd encourage you to even pray for some of those folks by name, uh, if it's appropriate, obviously if they're not in your community group, <laughs> um, for the, the conversation or even pray privately, however that looks like. Um, so in the sermon as well, Ryan pointed out Paul's writing to Timothy in second uh, Timothy two, two, which is probably one of my favorite. I, I would say it's probably one of our favorite verses yeah. at this church. It had better be. We get this image of like four <laughs> generations of discipleship moving forward, right? From Paul to Timothy to others who can teach others also. It's like the entire heart of yeah. this. Paul's dying wish to Timothy, so to speak, is is he's saying, Timothy, do not allow all of this work to die with you. It's an easy verse reference to remember, too. Yeah. Two, two, two. Two, two, two. Yeah. 
Um, cool. So what are last question? What are some things that we can do as God's people to ensure that we aren't just making disciples, but we're making disciples who can make disciples. There's a very subtle difference, but especially for you folks that are listening to this podcast, especially if you're leading, you know, what is your own goal? Is your goal to be the best leader that you possibly can to have a really big community group that everybody loves to come and be a part of? Or is your goal sincerely to look at the people that God has placed before you and say, what is another step for them in their walk with Christ? What's another step for them, you know, as a spouse or a parent or as a child or as somebody walking through college? Like, what does tomorrow look like for them? How can I help them? What has God enabled me with, whether that's a conversation or a question or experience or insight, anything? If you're leading these people, are you actually leading and how's God calling you forward to that? I think it's a phenomenal question to ask ourselves. And so hopefully... um this is really encouraging to you guys. I, I hope that this uh, conversation this week challenges you both to think, uh, you know, last week for the here and now, if Jesus is to return today and, and for future generations as well, you know, what are the foundations that we're laying? And so thank you guys, uh, as always, for leading others toward Jesus. Thank you for shepherding our church toward Jesus. Thank you for the investment of your time, of your commitment to lead and to be a part of discipleship here at this church. I know it's, it, it is absolutely making a difference. We hear stories every single week from people whose lives are being changed, folks that are getting connected to communities of, of faith that they've never been a part of before uh it's amazing and, and to that end we just pray that jesus's name would be made great uh and that god would get all the glory um and that uh he'd just he'd make jesus awesome here in New jersey all right we'll look forward to talking with you guys next week thanks for being with us see you later doug adios bye